Hello, welcome to episode two of the Cabal Cast. My name's Ka- Kale. My name's Joe. Um, we're gonna start with uh, explaining who we are for a second. Uh, we both study political science. I also study international relations at Cleveland State University. Technically, I'm a senior. I'm graduating this coming December. Um, I am a pretty active member of Cleveland State College Democrats, Franklin County Young Democrats, and Franklin County Democrats. Uh, So I'm pretty biased, I guess I would say (laughs) so. Um, I I work as a lifeguard completely unrelated to my degree. So, Joe, go ahead. Yeah. So my name's Joe. Uh, as Kale said, I also study political science. I'm also a communications minor. Um, I'm a very active member of the Lake County Young Democrats. Don't want to toot my own horn, but I did help found the organization. Um, I'm also active in local politics in Cuyahoga County and Lake County. Um, I also find a really, I have a really like niche interest in electoral systems specifically. So, like, how representatives are actually elected by people. It's just my little political science uh, fixation, I would say. Oh, well, then my fixation, I guess, is uh, I'm a big fan of green energy. I'm a big fan of education reform. Mm. Mm, come from a family of educators. Um, Joe, do you got, what, what plans do you have for after college? After you graduate? You know, for a while I thought I wanted to go to law school, and then I realized I don't want to take the LSATs or the bar exam. So I think after college I'm going to either do something in government affairs in the private sector or go into economic development because I really really find that interesting. Or urban policy because I I really want to make a difference in, like, Cleveland and Northeast Ohio. So before I go, for anybody who didn't listen to episode one, um, or if anybody didn't get this from episode one, Joe's a real big uh, RTA guy, big regional transit authority guy. This is true. My plans for after I graduate, hopefully, is to attend law school, Cleveland State. Applying, I'm applying elsewhere. Um, Want to get a JD and uh, master's in public administration from mm. Cleveland State. Hopefully, so that's the plan. So what are we talking about today, Joe? Well, today, I think first, we should talk about a proposed idea for a new Brown Stadium. See, now, why? So, anyone from Cleveland knows... That the, the Browns de- suck? Well, this Ooh. is also a true fact. Ooh. This is a true fact. We are terrible. However, we also know the debacle that happened back in 1999 and throughout the 90s when the former owner of the Browns, Art Modell, moved the team out of Cleveland and to Baltimore, where they are now the Baltimore Ravens. Part of the reason was because of the city's failure to build a new stadium. Because as much as people loved Municipal Stadium and were nostalgic for it, and how important that stadium was to the city's history, quite frankly, it it was... uh, it was a pretty awful place uh, to be at. It was old. It couldn't be retrofitted because of how old it was. And it it was time for a new stadium. 
but there were problems with how much would the city pay for it. So after a long legal fight, the Browns moved out of Cleveland. There wasn't a team for a while. And here we are today where First Energy Stadium is 20-something odd years old. And now Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the Cleveland Browns, uh, wants the city to move faster on what happens to the stadium after the Browns' lease expires in 2028. And, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, we're in the developing stages of this now. But there's already talk about, well, how much is the Haslam Sports Group going to pay for it? Is the NFL going to pitch in? But also, it's pretty much given that the city is going to have to put up some public money to build a new stadium. See, I, I grew up a Oakland Raiders fan. There was a, a brief moment in my life where I was a Colts fan, but that's just because I liked uh, Peyton Manning. But um, the, the Raiders have a history of leaving Oakland because of a lack of a stadium. They shared a stadium with the Major League Baseball team, the Oakland A's. Mm. They didn't get stadium. They moved to Los, uh, Los Angeles. Yeah. And then recently they're now the Las Vegas Raiders. So been to a couple different cities. Um, so, I mean, I get it. But where would a new stadium go? So, and I want to put this out there. This information, it's called Neo Trans Blog. It's a very good blog for local development in Northeast Ohio. And I recommend everyone check it out because they have a lot of good uh, analysis about local transit, local development, things like that in Cleveland and Northeast Ohio. But, so, Jimmy Haslam, according to Neo Trans Blog, uh, favors a new site for the stadium still near the lakefront, but immediately east of downtown. So First Energy Stadium, if you've, ever, if you've ever been there, is on the lakefront. It's near the Great Lakes Science Center and I want to say like a 10-minute walk away from um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now, no one's quite sure where they would put it exactly. Um, however, the the ideal spot for the site is roughly between East 13th and East 17th streets. Um, and I think it's an interesting conversation to have because I think Cleveland has really lacked in lakefront development, especially compared to our neighbors like Chicago, Detroit, um, and other cities in the Midwest. Cleveland has been really, really really far behind on developing the lakefront well just north of our campus is a huge well not, i'm not gonna say huge but it's an it's an airport mm -hmm. it, it's a uh, burke right yeah burke lakefront it's just there they don't have like international flights it's honestly when i was on the campaign trail with uh, ross DeBello. Uh, last year for mayor of Cleveland, every single candidate wanted to get rid of Burke. Yeah. Every single one. Yeah. And I think that should, you know, along with building a new Brown stadium, because it seems like it's going, 
it's very early on, but it seems like it's going to happen. We, ha we have to talk about that airport. For, for those of you that aren't aware, uh, Cleveland Hopkins International Airport, or sorry, Cleveland International Airport is not that far away from downtown. It's, I would say, about a 20-minute drive from downtown Cleveland. I'd venture out and say it's a little less. A little less, yeah. Plus, there is already a regional airport in Cuyahoga County, a little further east to the county border with Lake County. So it really doesn't make sense to have two regional airports. Um, the only thing that Burke Lakefront is really used for that is that attracts people to Cleveland is the air show once a year. I hate the air show. I'm just being honest. Now, I don't want to get into a debate about the air show. Oh, you like the air show? I don't dislike the air show. I don't like hearing the Jets practice every day for a week when I'm trying to go to class. I do like big airplanes, though. Why? Because you hate the planet? I <laughs> love the Globemaster. And one day we will talk about how I almost joined the Air Force. But Oh, okay. Um, you know, as you said, all of the mayoral candidates two years ago. It was the 2021 election. Yes, yeah, so two years ago all had ideas about what we do with Burke. A lot of them said, tear it down, redevelop it. What goes there? Is it a new Brown Stadium? Is it a new neighborhood that is more accessible to people? Who knows? Well, I'm looking at a, quote, unofficial graphic on the Neotrans blog. And it has the proposed stadium right there next to Burke. Burke is essentially going to go eventually. Yeah. So develop it into a big green space like Edgewater, right? Within walking distance of a stadium. With the stadium being put there, it'll spur development as far as like businesses go, restaurants, shops, whatever else. And it, it could be, quite frankly, just awesome. It would be awesome mm -hmm. to have it. There would, there would be a lot more to do. Because where the First Energy Stadium is now, there's nothing. You have to park and, and walk to the stadium. The only super cool thing that's there is the, the Lake Erie Science Center and yeah. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What's interesting, so... Shout out to my dad. Light, or he's been a season ticket holder since the 90s. Lifelong Browns fan. And I have gone to many games with my dad. We tailgate. We tailgate in the Muni lot with all the other Browns fan hooligans. And it's a great time. Now, I want to say it was in 1996, RTA opened the waterfront line. Which is a smaller extension that connects the... Muni lot, the tailgate lot, to uh, the Brown Stadium, the the Flats, and then I believe goes to South Harbor. So another conversation that I think we should have is that if we do build a new football stadium, I do not want to see it be built and just for a giant surface lot to be placed right next to it. 
I'm glad you said that. You can't, you cannot keep catering to car centric infrastructure. And this is, you know, this is a debate and a talking point that mayors since the nineties and the eighties have been talking about, about making Cleveland pedestrian focused. And I think that if we do build a new football stadium, that is a fantastic opportunity to explore new ideas of walkability and transport. Well, I think that, yeah, well, you've been to Ohio City. Yeah. I don't see any reason why, maybe not like downtown, downtown, like beyond Playhouse Square, but I don't see why, like our part of the city, just north of campus, or where the Brown Stadium, proposed Brown Stadium will be, I don't see why that can't be more like Ohio City. Ohio City is very walkable, yeah. protected bike lanes in some places. <laughs> And if there there isn't a protected bike lane, there's still a bike lane. Yeah. You're not one block, there's a bike lane, and then the next block, you're just SOL. You have to share a lane with a bus. Yeah. It, it, I don't see why this type of development wouldn't create, promote an RTA expansion, a pedestrian-friendly uh, focus for the area, things like that. So another uh, part of this debate is um, how how much can we use this stadium? Because currently, um, the stadium now is really only used during the brown season. It is not usable during the winter and when it is bitterly cold in Cleveland, especially because of the fact that it is on the lakefront. I'm, I'm sure you know, Kale, how brutal the wind gets. Like, gets, just on, just downtown. It gets really, it's bad. It's not even, like, it gets better in the summer. Yeah. I remember um, last year, somebody was on roller skates, and he was wearing one of those wind suits. Put his <laughs> arms out. He went uh, soaring down Euclid. He was keeping up with cars, felt like. Yeah. It was crazy. So, but the... The topic is, do we build either a covered stadium or a dome stadium, which is very, very expensive to do. However, it could be used much more and could generate more revenue and in the future could possibly make the Browns a host of the Super Bowl. Well, a uh, uh- Big thing would be concerts as well. Yes. But concerts right now are at Rock and Mortgage. Mm-hmm. Maybe if there's a bigger concert, it could be there. Because I, I've seen articles comparing a new covered stadium, comparing it to Lucas Oil Arena in mm-hmm. Indianapolis, where the Colts play. I know that they host concerts there. They can host concerts here. Unfortunately, though, if it's covered and it's not like the stadium in Atlanta where the dome, roof, whatever you want to call it, can be retracted. Yeah. You can't have the really cool open-air hockey games like what we're having right now in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Ohio State, Michigan, and then the Monsters are playing the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins affiliate team. Hmm. Open-air hockey, Joe. I'm not a hockey fan. Why? Because you are a fascist? I'm a... Anti-Canadian? I 
am a red-blooded American that loves football, hot dogs, and bald eagles. Interesting. So I don't need hockey in my life. (laughs) All right. Expanding from where we're at. Let's talk Ohio politics. Ohio politics. Ohio politics. What's going on now in our great state government that is very representative of us? Senate Bill 1. That's the state education bill. That is the state education bill. The full name of the bill in question is Senate Bill 1 to rename the Department of Education as the Department of Education and Workforce to create the position of Director of Education and Workforce, and to reform the functions and responsibilities of the State Board of Education and the Superintendent of Public Instruction. Now, this bill has been sponsored by Republican Senator uh, Bill Renakey. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but Mm. he's from Tiffin. Okay. And this is actually a bill that he sponsored last year. I'm not going to say the number, but it was later in the year Mm -hmm. when he... he, uh, when it was introduced to the Senate, it actually passed the Senate. Referred to a committee in the House. Its last hearing was December 22. So it died in committee. What is stopping the House, or not the House, the Senate right now from passing it again? It's the same bill. Nothing. Nothing is stopping the House from passing it mm-hmm. because this is a priority bill. For Ohio Republicans, hence the fact that it's Senate Bill 1. Yeah. And and the reason why it wasn't able to get passed last year was because they ran out of time. So now it's the first bill on the docket. They're going to have plenty of time. Yeah. And essentially what it does, from my understanding at least, strips power and authority from the elected State Board of Education which tends to lean left, Democrat, and put that power in Mike DeWine's office, Mm. in appointed position. What are your thoughts, Joe? I mean, it's very clear it's a response to... Now, State Board uh, of Education elections are officially nonpartisan. But of course, as we know, everyone has partisan preferences. Correct. But I think this is a response to the fact that Democrats have been doing better on the State Board of Education elections. Oh, I certainly I agree. And especially because it's not like they're proposing reforms to the State Board of Edu- Education itself and keeping it. They are literally creating a new position that is appointed by the governor who is a Republican. The Ohio Board of Education is partially elected. Yes. There's a number of them. I think it's nine that are appointed by DeWine. Yeah. And that's insane. And I was actually looking at it not too long ago. Ohio's a big state. Yeah. We got people living everywhere in our state. There are two people on the State Board of Education from London, Ohio. It's 45 minutes west of Columbus. Mm -hmm. So almost in between Columbus and Dayton. There's two people from that same part of the state. Hmm. In Madison County, 
which I'm not going to say an exact number, but Trump won Madison County by a significant margin. Mm-hmm. How is that fair? That doesn't represent the state because one of them was appointed by DeWine. One was elected. Good for him or her. I forget. The one that DeWine appointed to the position also comes from London. And that doesn't seem right to me, Joe. It doesn't. It's it's very clearly a power grab by state Republicans because I think they are uncomfortable with the fact that they don't have absolute control over the State Board of Education. And I think they are very adverse to any kind of alternative points of view. And again, I think it is also a way for them to appeal to voters on cultural, on culture war issues, which as we know, since 2020, has become very, very, very potent among suburban voters, whether or not you're conservative or not. It is a very potent issue, and I think this is a way for Republicans to play into that and drum up their base. It's it just seems so like dumb. Yeah. The whole the whole one culture wars stupid. Mm-hmm. Why would you not want to put time into reforming, even if it's partisan reforms? Even if I would disagree with the reforms, why wouldn't you take time into making some sort of reforms? But instead what they're doing is is a complete overhaul. And I'm not against overhauls in government. I'm not against completely changing something. Mm-hmm. But the Ohio the way that Ohio does education in general, it's not like the worst thing in the world. Yeah. But like the backpack bill. Mm-hmm. Dumb. SB1, dumb. It's just dumb. What else you got, Joe? It's just, it's also, you know, think about the future. I can't predict future elections, but you never know. What if one day a Democrat, and it will happen eventually, a Democrat does win the governorship? Then that Democrat can appoint their own, who whatever the position would be, what do Republicans do then? Complain. Complain. And then try to change the system back to how it was. It's going to be the, it's the same thing with um, Frank LaRose's proposal to make constitutional amendments harder. Yeah. It's going to be he wants to make it harder because abortion is going to be on the ballot, because recreational marijuana is going to be on the ballot. But as soon as something that is a primary concern for conservatives in the state wants to be on the ballot – they're going to try to push to change that back. Mm-hmm. It's it's they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. Yeah. It feels like one of the um arguments for for uh an overhaul of education is the fact that the Department of Education hasn't been able to appoint a leader and maintain that leadership status. Mm. The state department of education, or you like federal? The the board. The oh, state. the board. Okay. 
they're they're saying that that is one of the reasons to overhaul education in Ohio, and it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't sit right. As somebody who comes from an education background, as somebody whose plan D is to be a teacher, mm-hmm. as somebody who I, I said this in the last episode. I have my grandpa works for public schools. My mom and dad work for public schools. My aunt works for public schools. My partner's going to work for public school. Hopefully, maybe. I don't know. She can do what she wants. But um it's it's just dumb. It's dumb and I know it's facing a lot of opposition from uh teachers unions um at the district level but also the I believe it's the Ohio Teachers Association, the state group of the teachers unions. But also I've noticed it has faced pushback from even conservative activists. Explain. I this is very anecdotal because I did see it uh through a Facebook group, but they see it as a power grab. Now maybe their reasons for disliking Mike DeWine are different than ours. However, I think it is interesting to see that even conservative activists are opposed to this idea. I um, have news, Joe, regarding SB1. About an hour ago, the Ohio State Senate held a vote, mm-hmm. and Ohio Senate Bill 1 passed 26 to 7 along party lines. So it is now going to the House where, um, as as somebody who's a Democrat, as a liberal, as somebody who whose family is in education, I just hope that it dies in committee. I hope that it stays in committee for the, the rest of the term. But it's just, it's, that sucks. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in the State House because – if you're not aware, the Republicans in the state house are somewhat divided between uh, who they wanted to be speaker. Currently, if you currently the speaker is a more moderate Republican that was elected to the speakership with the help of the House Democratic Caucus, and part of that agreement, I believe, was that the speaker of the Ohio House would keep more aggressive and more, um, I guess, more ideologically right-wing bills off the docket. So I think it will be interesting to see what happens in the House if he follows through with that. So so a, a couple of Cleveland City Council members were in Columbus recently mm-hmm. um, to provide their opinion on SB1. And... Um, City Council member Kevin Conwell mm. said that it's a power grab, shifting control of public education and giving it to the governor. It's a dangerous bill. He will control the curriculum and the money, too. He already controls eight of the 19 members and he app- that he appoints to the school board. And it's just, why? Especially, in, we're in a state where I know somebody, and I'm not going to name names because that's wrong. I know somebody who up and moved because they didn't like DeWine. Mm-hmm. They preferred Governor DeSantis. They moved to Florida. There are a lot of people who, for the last 
who knows how long, four years, three years now, whatever. We're calling him a rhino, Republican in name only. And they were they're criticizing him, calling him, oh, he's a, a Biden-loving Democrat. He's a never-Trumper or whatever. And now they're they're all trusting him with this power. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. It's, I mean, on that person you were talking about, I it is to me it is really, it is really something for you to up and move to another state because you happen to like their governor more. Moving to an entirely new state because of its politics, I think's probably really short-sighted. I think personally that this is almost something that should be a referendum yeah let's let frank LaRose make it harder to pass amendments to the constitution let him do it put this on the ballot mm-hmm. as well make this need what is it what's frank LaRose proposing 60 percent. 60 percent. let 60 percent of ohioans Say that they want this. If they want this, fine. Democracy. But until that happens, I don't think that the majority of Ohioans would agree. I don't think so either. And I'm hoping that as this progresses, because this is because it passed the Senate to pass through the Senate today, I can see Cleveland.com. Say what you want about them. Plain dealer. The Columbus Dispatch. I can see people going nuts, people starting to figure out what's happening, and the fact that this, quite frankly, is a just blatant power grab. I'm curious to see what kind of opposition is going to pop up in the media. Yeah. I'm very curious. I'm sorry. I'm just reading this article talking about how it passed it's just insane it it was referred to committee and they didn't they had maybe four hearings mm-hmm. about it in the house i'm learning this now the house has their own version of the bill already house bill 12 i haven't read it but house bill 12 <laughs> it's, it's insane i mean i know they've already made their decision on what they want to do i'm i'm pretty sure that most of the republicans in the house have already decided this is how i'm voting on this bill no matter opposition from media their own constituents or the rest of the public and i think it's very telling that if more opposition is voiced in media from regular people teachers teachers unions and it still passes I think it's very telling on what uh, state Republicans think about Ohioans' beliefs about this bill, but also in general. I think that the Ohio GOP wants to get rid of public schools. Yeah. and Altogether. SB1 and the backpack bill are evidence of that, and they've made it very clear that they don't like public schools for whatever reason. Everyone has their own beliefs, but it the end game I think is to 
just completely get rid of public schools. So something that's come up in private conversations between you and me really for the last like week has been the average American voter, the average moderate, the uh, disgruntled leaners, stuff like that. And I, I'm a lot of Ohioans graduated from public schools Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm waiting and waiting for Republicans, registered Republicans or conservative voters or people who lean to the right and vote Republican. I'm waiting for them to see that there is an attack on the schools that they graduated from. Mm -hmm. Like I have an attachment to Hamilton Township High School. Go Rangers. Once a Ranger, always a Ranger. And I know that people in my family and in my community love the school. I don't see them anytime soon realizing that this is a problem and that maybe as soon as like 20 years from now, Hamilton's not going to be there. It's going to be a charter school. Mm -hmm. There's not going to be enough people going to Hamilton to, to warrant getting money from the state to even keep it open. They're all going to be going to charter schools or public schools or not public schools, uh, home schools. That's what I meant. Yeah. Or uh, private schools. It's, it's going to be a problem and these people don't see it. Yeah. And is Menor's public, right? Yeah. Is, do you see the same in your community? community? I think so. Like Menor school districts, I, I'm biased cause I went there. Um, but is a very good public school district. It has gone, it has come a very uh, long way since like 2008 when every school district had some kind of issue, but it has been able to provide just a myriad of services for its students and it's provided the community with so much good. And to see people, you know, support these kinds of bills, but not realizing what that means for Menor High School or the rest of the district is really disheartening. You know, I know, you know, we all have different beliefs about, you know, things, and that's fine. Yeah, we have different beliefs about things. But it, you know, like you said, one day, what if that high school isn't there? Because it's now a charter school. Or everyone starts going to private schools or is homeschooled. But another issue with that is that you're also eliminating the sense of community. High school football games are, you know, like a Midwest tradition almost. It's where communities go to gather and just watch football. How would that change under a charter school system, under private schools, or homeschooling? And that's, like, honestly, it is an un- it is, it's an uncomfortable thought because I think we all have this idea of what high school is like. You hang out with your friends. You go to football games on Friday nights. You watch your school marching band, you know, play. And... This, what's going on in the statehouse could change all of that in the future. I, I agree. My, my, uh, my grandpa, he, I, there hasn't been a home Hamilton football game that he hasn't been to. Mm. He obviously had to take a break because pandemic, but 
he goes to all the games. I used to go to all the games. Mm-hmm. I used to. We would walk laps around the stadium with friends and watch the game. We would get snacks. We will talk. And honestly, I mean, at, at Hamilton, sometimes there was the occasional fight. Yeah. <laughs> behind a bunch of trees. But regardless, everybody's there. Alumni go. They go because they love the community. They love the school. And I love Hamilton Township. I love where I come from. Yeah. I'm – it's – very southern Franklin County. You can probably see the Pickaway County, Franklin County line from where we are. Very red part of Franklin County. Mm-hmm. Arguably one of the few red parts of Franklin County. And I can guarantee you, go to a Obet's political Facebook group. Everybody would argue why SB1 should pass. And it, sh- it it honestly it hurts. Yeah, it hurts seeing people not understand. This won't benefit you. This won't benefit your kids. This won't benefit your grandkids. It will benefit a small group of people who want to send their kids to charter schools, who want to send their kids to private schools, who wants to homeschool their kids. Good for them. The majority of us go to public schools. Yeah. The majority of us have strong attachments to our public schools. The Hamilton Township Tays Valley rivalry, respectfully, and I'm sorry to anybody who's in my family who's never heard me say this word, but fuck Tays Valley. <laughs> like, I hate Tays Valley <laughs> just because of that silly rivalry. But that's, that's such an important part of communities. And I hope that someday my kids will understand that, but they won't. Yeah. Because... Hamilton will be closed. Taze Valley will be closed. And I think another quite more nefarious, I think, result of this is charter schools and private schools and home schools are not subject to the same oversight and scrutiny as our public schools. So if you're handing, I'm not sure how much the backpack bill allocates to each student, but if you're handing some private or charter school $12,000, are they following the same educational standards as Menor or Hamilton? They could when Mike DeWine controls the curriculum. It's a lot of power invested into one, maybe two people, the director and the governor. Plus, uh, on the backpack bill as well charter schools and private schools don't have school boards you don't have an elected school board for say a catholic school it's free to do what it wants and that's fine but if everyone is forced to do that and there is no way for public input or oversight of that i think we have a very very serious issue with education in the state. And so I, I ask, I, I'm going to ask you for a conversation, but I'm going to ask this is anybody. And when I go home tonight, I'm going to make a Twitter account for this show. Yeah. So reach out if you have Twitter. But do you trust Mike DeWine, Richard DeWine, whatever his real first name is, 
to teach sophomore American history. Do you trust Mike DeWine to teach your kids? No. No. Maybe a government class because he's a member of government and he's run for every position known to man. But that's it. I don't trust him to teach honors biology too. I don't trust him to teach my fifth grader English. And and that's that's the problem. Yeah. I'm going to keep this short and sweet. This is why education is a passion of mine. Teachers are underpaid. Oh. Certainly. Certainly. Undervalued. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't see exactly how undervalued they are. Yeah. Parent-teacher conferences, my parents would come home from parent-teacher conferences furious because they had to talk to these kids' parents who feel like they can do their job. You can't. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's supposed to be a teacher. That's why not everybody's a teacher. If it was that easy, everybody would do it. It's not. It is, quite frankly, it's a pain, for one. Two, it's now dangerous. Yeah. And and just everybody thinks that they can do it. You can't. Go ahead and teach your kids. You're going to end up, if you're in Sandusky, probably teaching Nazi propaganda. But um, <laughs> go ahead and try to teach your kid. You know what? Sit down with your kid and help them do their honors biology homework or their calculus homework and tell me how much you actually know without looking anything up. If you're trying to help your kid do seventh grade algebra, eighth grade algebra, do it without a calculator. I can guarantee you my teachers did it without a calculator when they were teaching me. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can. You especially, Joe? Me especially. <laughs> Look, if I have kids in the future, they are SOL on algebra. Yeah, I'm not good at math. No. I, why do you think I'm a political science major, Kel? <laughs> <laughs> Keeping the ball rolling on education, um, several Cleveland State students with uh, OSA mm-hmm. got back late last night or early this morning. I quite frankly don't know. Got back from Washington, D.C. And Joe, why were they in D.C.? Well, they were in D.C. because, if you haven't heard, the Supreme Court started hearing arguments over Joe Biden's uh, debt forgiveness proposal. Which, frankly, is awesome. Is awesome and a very, very good idea. A tremendous, awesome, marvelous idea. Because I don't want to be in debt. Yeah. It's also, It's also just good economics right now i've heard the argument that debt forgiveness would somehow increase inflation now correct me if i'm wrong because i am not an economics major and it is very confusing and god bless anyone that does understand it more than i do but it's not like you're creating 10 to twenty thousand dollars you're not snapping that money into existence you are freeing up that money that wouldn't have been used to purchase a car or food or groceries or anything else that isn't debt. So in my mind, the fact that you'd be freeing up millions of people to spend money in their communities, I feel would be an economic boost and would, if anything, alleviate inflation. Well, you remember, what it tastes once, you remember yesterday, 
Um, professor Nelson, political science professor here at, at Cleveland State, um, he said that he's come to terms with the fact that he's just going to be in debt yeah. for the rest of his life. With debt forgiven, it's not going to be all of his debt. It's not going to be all of my debt. But he said that he's going to buy a, a bunch of stuff. Quote. And good for him. I don't care what they spend the money on. People should be allowed to buy what they want, and they should have that money so it doesn't go to some loan servicer or some private bank that's just going to use that money for stock buybacks or exactly. something else that doesn't help the general population. Exactly. And and it's 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 uh what people don't get is that inflation is more often than not caused by private companies mm-hmm. raising the prices on goods. When the cost of making those goods or packaging those goods, stuff like it stays the same. Mm-hmm. That's what drives inflation. Yeah. For the most part. And for one, it's Biden inflation. It's Joe Biden's fault. Obviously. It's spending that's the problem. It's not. It's the private companies that raise the prices of goods. So it doesn't make any logical sense to me. Maybe this is just the fact that I took a uh, macroeconomics class last semester. Maybe that's why I don't understand it. But um, it, the argument that forgiving debt for who knows how many students, yeah, would it would cause inflation to go up? It wouldn't. That doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. It's a very. It's just a. It's an argument that you could make, but it's I don't think one that holds up. But I think the other one, the most common argument I think by conservatives is. It's not my debt. Why should I pay for your debt? Maybe you shouldn't have taken out the loan. Maybe the company shouldn't have loaned $20,000 to an 18-year-old. And that's what I'm saying. The problem is the fact that I'm not going to call out any specific loan servicer or bank. But the problem is that these companies and banks are giving money away to students at just like absurd interest rate interest rates that compound which is increasing how much they owe which is making the problem even worse which is why today i think we're almost at like 1.8 trillion dollars held collectively in student loans everyone in the country almost 2 trillion dollars worth of debt and that's a bubble that one day you know might pop and it's really holding people back from achieving you know better things i just see all the time gen z millennials aren't going to be able to buy a house ever it's because of the avocado toast and starbucks kill it is because of the avocado toast and the starbucks not the sixty-eight thousand dollars plus interest they owe to oh but that's their fault joe they took out the loan Yes, of course, because you should be punished for wanting to become a more productive worker and member of society. That's how things should work, right? Well, everybody should go to college. Nobody should go to a trade school. Nobody should graduate from high school and be a plumber because nobody needs those jobs. That's what it feels like. Yeah. And, And honestly, 
in high school, anybody who didn't go to college, I know a lot of people who didn't go to college. They went to a trade school in high school or they're at a trade school now mm-hmm. or they're at a community college and they're learning a trade. Regardless, people who didn't go to college, they're successful right now. Now there's people who didn't go to college, didn't go to trade school. They're not that successful. But there's a lot of emphasis on just going to college. Yeah. I'm for free college. But if more people go, if a lot of people go, and everybody gets the same degree as me, my degree is worthless. Mm -hmm. We need to, as a society, decrease the stigma around going to a trade school. Decrease the fact that, oh, Joe Schmo from Kokomo is going to the trade center for welding. He must be dumb. That doesn't necessarily mean he's dumb. It means he wants to work with his hands and get paid a lot right out of high school. Welders are successful. Plumbers are successful. And there's really good unions attached to those jobs. Exactly. And... What I think, I think this is an important conversation, regardless of how you feel about debt forgiveness, debt cancellation, or Joe Biden. People should have the choice and the freedom to become more productive members of society without having to go into an ungodly amount of debt for possibly the rest of their lives. If you want to be a welder, be a welder, and you deserve to be treated with respect and dignity and shouldn't have to go into debt for that. If you want to go to college to be a psychologist, a whatever that requires a a college degree, you should not have to go into any debt, period, to try to make your own life better. Because every person in this country deserves to have the same access to opportunities to better themselves and to better their communities. And that's what I think debt forgiveness should be seen as. So one of the arguments from the right is you shouldn't have taken out the loan, shouldn't have gone into debt. But there's a lot of jobs that require a college degree, right? And if you cut the amount of people if you take everybody at Cleveland State, I don't know the number. If you take everybody at Cleveland State that has taken out a loan, the student population is going to plummet. Yeah. So, all those people, how many political science majors do you think there would be? Only a couple. Yeah. How many nursing majors do you think there would be? Only a couple. So then all these professions that require a degree are going to have significantly less people in them. And these conservatives are the, who say, maybe you shouldn't have take, taken out a loan. They're going to complain that, oh, there's not enough people working in this job or this job. Because right now they're doing the same thing with fast food, mm-hmm. with services. You pressured people, your generation, if you're older, pressured people into going to college. You're not going to be successful if you don't go to college. So none of us want to work fast food. I... I Praise you for working at Starbucks. Could never be me. I can't do that. I work as a lifeguard, and I had a problem making $10 an hour as a lifeguard. Now I get paid more, but I feel as if 
you don't win with some people. You can't win. Yeah. Either there's not enough people working fast food jobs, service jobs, or there's not enough people working white collar jobs to help them move on in life. Mm-hmm. There'll be a doctor shortage, a teacher shortage, a lawyer shortage. Take it, everybody at the law school who has taken a loan, it would probably be most of them because yeah. law school is expensive. You just, it's just tough. And I feel like everybody should be pro this debt forgiveness. It's because it's a one-time thing. Yeah. And it's not a lot of money per, per person. It's a lot of money in the total, but it's not a lot of money per person. There's a lot of people who will still be in debt. Yeah. But this helps. This takes a lot of weight off their shoulders. But like I said, it's a one-time thing. So what do you think would be your policy preference moving forward after there's debt forgiveness? You know, ideal world, the most ideal scenario, you cancel it all. You cancel all the debt. Now, I understand why that might not be feasible. So cancel and cap the interest. That's the biggest problem is the fact that interest is so high that's, that it's making these loans totally unpayable. You're never going to pay back the loan because of the interest. Cancel the interest cap interest in the future or going forward higher education should be free higher education should be viewed not as like a commodity it should be viewed as a not necessity but a public service you know i could go on for hours on what things and what things shouldn't be viewed as a service and should be in the hands of the market. I think education is one of them because it is way too important to have it be operated as a business. Correct. Because I actually talked to one of my professors about it. Um, It is, I think it is in the government's best interest. Like the government has a vested interest in its population being educated so why would they why, why would the government want its people to be in debt and then fear going to college because of debt a common theme is we have to compete with china mm-hmm. we have to compete with the european union we have to compete with japan we can't do that if education costs so much yeah it's honestly it's scary i know a lot of people brilliant people they're getting a two-year associate's degree from a community college, and they're not going to continue their education because of how expensive it is. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people say what I said earlier. Free college, more people are going to get degrees, devalues my degree. That's not necessarily the case. Yeah, Make college affordable, free, whatever. Make it harder to get in. Don't. There's are there are programs where people can get into college for free. Yeah, and they're these are brilliant people, or make it like I said, make it harder for everybody, make it free for everybody. Don't necessarily. I don't want to talk about bad about classmates of mine. There's some people who probably shouldn't be here, but they can because they can afford it. Yeah. If it feels the other way around. They should be here. You should be in my class. 
you're super smart, but you can't afford it, so you're not here. Plus, even like the idea of devaluing my degree, I think, I think if you made college tuition free or affordable or whatever you want to call it, I think it would be beneficial because it would place more emphasis on like the individual and your own personal talents and what you bring to the table. Your degree has taught you a lot that is helping you develop your own talents. And then when you go to a job interview, you're showing them what you can offer in comparison to however many other people they're interviewing that day. I think that the problem moving forward is going to be opposition. Mm-hmm. I think that I, it's almost painfully noticeable how many people on the ground, grassroots organizing, students, not students, the parents of students, want things to happen. There's people who don't maybe don't necessarily support free college, but free community college, mandatory free community college. Yeah, everybody can get in. And and there's opposition to that. Why? It's not, and it's people are like, "Where's the money going to come from? Where's the money going to come from?" We have the money. And the big scary thing is decreasing the military's budget. I support it. I don't support completely dissolving the U.S. military, not yet at least, hopefully in my lifetime. But we have we pay more for our military than the next two militaries combined. I think the next two were China and Russia probably. Mm-hmm. We can afford to trim a little bit off and pay for school. You want educated people. Educated people can still be in the military. That's why the military pays for people to go to college. Yeah. So nothing's stopping us from from doing that except opposition from politicians. <laughs> Democrats, it feels like, a lot of them talk. We, we, we want to do this. We want to do this. But they don't. And Republicans, they're just like, oh, well, these liberal pot-smoking hippies want – free shit mm-hmm. and it's just I'm not saying it's class warfare because I'm not a Marxist but it feels classist yeah it feels like they oppose it just to oppose it there's no there's no policy platform besides opposing whatever your opposition does but I just want to clarify for anybody listening um, we're not Marxists. Just saying. Just throwing well, it out there. I'm not. I'm okay. not either, Joseph. All right, Kel. I mean, whatever you say. I am a Bernie bro. <laughs> Bernard Sanders, a senator from Vermont. Which, so the Cleveland State students that went to D.C. for student loan debt. Mm-hmm. They were there. And a small number of them went to tour the Capitol. And a good friend of mine said that if we leave this rally outside the Supreme Court, the prominent speakers are going to speak. We're going to miss them. That's just how it's going to end up happening. They left. Bernie Sanders spoke. Elizabeth Warren spoke. Congresswoman Omar spoke. And they they missed it. 
but at least they got a tour of the Capitol. I, I, I got a tour of the Capitol. I went to D.C. for a Model UN trip back in 2019, and we got a tour of the Capitol. And honestly, it's one of the coolest things that I've ever done. Maybe it's because I'm a nerd, but oh, I love the Capitol building. It's so it was just so cool. I even like the portrayal of George Washington as God. It's oh, yeah, insane to me, but I like it. It's cool. There's a part, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a walkway area. And when you're walking through it, our tour guide pointed out, look at the floor. And you can see where when they were building the Capitol and they were pouring pavement or whatever it was, a cat ran across it. That's awesome. And decades, years later, you know, its little little footprints are still in there. That is awesome. It's so funny. It's the ancestors of... uh... Your cat, Lyndon Johnson. Yeah, my cat, the president of the United States. The Lyndon president Johnson. of the United States. So we got a couple of minutes left. Um, let's wind down with 2024 predictions. Marianne Williamson. Same brainwave, Kale. <laughs> same brainwave. I'm glad we're on the same page. I. Uh, She's running as a Democrat, right? Yeah. Wasn't she a Trumpy? Or am I just remembering wrong? Maybe you're conf- conflating her with Tulsi Gabbard, which I could see why someone could do that. Interesting. But I don't think she was ever Trumpy, but I think she's very I, – I think she's running just to run. If Joe – I mean, Joe Biden still has not announced if he's running for re-election. But if he does and she decides to stay in the primary, come on, man. As Joe Biden would say, come on, man. Come on, man. Like, you're not going to beat Joe Biden in a primary. So I'm glad that you um, did an impression. So you know what I'm going to ask you. Just give us something, anything. What would you ask me, Kale? Look at that little smirk. I can see it. What are you going to ask me? What am I actually going to ask you? What are you going to ask me? If I actually... If you were, I'm right here right now... What would you ask me, Donald Trump, the 45th and current president of the United States? Why? Why push election denialism? Why? Why, why, why would you do that? Well, quite frankly, Kale, we won this election by a lot. Quite frankly, we're still winning. I don't know if you saw, but... I had many court cases, many court cases. You lost all but one. Yep, but I still had many court cases because of the the deep state. They're biased against me. And we know it. Very smart people, very smart people, Kale, have told me that, Donald, they're biased. They're stealing it from you. Well, Jonald, um, we've run out of time. Uh, it's been a slow news week. It has. And oh just God. in general, uh, biggest news coming out of each region, let's say, is kind of kind of just not the most exciting. But hopefully Browns get a new stadium. I hope you guys do. Thanks, Kale. I, I, hope, I really felt that. I hope you do. I really felt that. I man. hope you get a new stadium. I hope Sun Bill 1 doesn't make it through the house. <sighs> I hope. Just more stuff happens in Congress. I hope so, too. Cause it I hope like, it gives us something to talk about. Yeah, because it feels like nothing's happened in the past, like, two weeks. I also want to give a uh, shout-out to the 
two new members of the Cabal cast. Our audio person, Victoria, and our producer, Jaden Stromboli. Jaden Stromboli, who um, is, one, fantastic in general, but also he is the editor-in-chief of uh, CSU's student newspaper, The Cauldron. And everyone should check it out and read articles from The Cauldron because there's many great writers there. The, you know, thank you. I appreciate that, and, Joe. Yes. I, am, I am a writer for The Cauldron. But I think that that wraps up our our time here. Um, I guess we'll see you next week. All right. Yeah.